Hello, I'm Alec Hogg and this is The Rational Perspective. In this episode, Valence Watson on his brother Gavin, Agrizi and Brasasa. Before our meetings this week, I last saw Valence Watson more than a decade ago when acting as peacemaker in a meeting between my former colleague, the late Barry Sargent, and a group of BEE investors in the now delisted gold company Simmer and Jack, in which Valence and his brothers had an interest. After that meeting, this great investigative journalist spent time getting to know Valence and his brothers, the now apparently infamous Watson clan from the Eastern Cape. It's instructive that Barry's initial hostility and deep skepticism turned full circle. First, in the story that I was mediating over, and later on, on a broader scale, in a book that he wrote. That book about whistleblower Kevin Wakeford, who exposed how Deutsche Bank had trashed the South African Rand, Barry wrote very warmly about the Watsons. I knew the uniquely talented sergeant literally from the day he entered journalism in the mid-1980s. We worked closely together for years and I remained in awe of this trained advocate's ability to dispense with the fiction and question perceived facts. His work ethic was second to none. There's no doubt in my mind that were Barry alive today, he'd be providing some balance to the popular narrative that casts the Watsons as rogues who bribe the ANC politicians to secure inflated state contracts through their company, Bosasa. And it would be he, not me, who'd be now providing their side of a story that really makes little sense. Through live transmissions of the Zondo Commission into State Capture on South African television, a nation became enthralled with the testimony of a self-confessed criminal, Angelo Agrizi. But as I discovered over the past couple of days listening and checking documentation with Valence Watson, all is not what it seems. In the end, either the super-rich, Ferrari-obsessed Agrizi has conned the Commission, the media, and South Africa at large, or Valence and the other three Watson brothers committed Christians and ANC operatives during the country's darkest hours have not only lost their moral compasses, but also their minds. But let's start at the beginning. Alec, we come from the Eastern Cape, uh, from a farming community. My, we come from a base and our involvement in what eventually became quite a controversy uh, was the rugby issue, which was um, very contentious at the time, and our involvement in what was termed the non-racial sports struggle was brought about by our Christian conviction. Uh, we were approached by the then president of the Quadra Rugby Union, and which was a non-racial rugby union, and asked, in they the hear we are Christian, uh, would we not come and help with coaching in the townships? because they thought that that might be a Christian conviction we should have. We agreed to that. We went and we coached in, uh, in the township, New Brighton and Kwasakele and Zwili in Port Elizabeth. And having gone into the, the, the rugby scenario, we started realizing a few things. When you say we, we Cheeky Watson's well known, your brother. Uh, uh, what about the other brothers? Did well, you all play rugby? It was, it was myself, uh, who is the third eldest. Gavin is, Gavin is the eldest. 
uh, Ronnie's the second eldest, and Chiki's the fourth in in the family. And we were all rugby players and Christians, as you said. And Christians. So, so and and did that come from the from your father? From that came from from my parents. Uh, my father was a lay preacher, uh, and he was fully supportive of our role if we wanted to go and play rugby in the townships, because his his conviction and ours was based on James, the book of James in the Bible that says you are to love the Lord your God above all else and your neighbor as yourself. And when Christ is questioned about who his neighbor is, he says the person closest to you in need. And we felt that the African community, the black community in general, needed a, a understanding from whites that we're all equal. So it's, it's pretty well known that part of the story. Um, it was tough yeah. for you. You, you. you really were integrated in the struggle. But what wasn't as well known is the role that you were playing behind the scenes. Well, what happened when we got involved in non-racial rugby, this is the mid-70s. Round about the mid-70s we had an uprising within the youth of the country with regard to the opposition to Afrikaans being forced upon the black schools. And we, we started realizing that school kids were under huge threat. They were being harassed, they were being detained, they were being beaten up. And we somehow felt as that it was our Christian duty to help wherever we could, which we then did. At about that time, a lot of kids were, were, were leaving the country because they were being threatened by death. They were being beaten up, they were being jailed. So we helped a lot of young kids skip the country. And externally, they predominantly joined the ANC. Okay, that part of the story is pretty well known, as is the fact that the Watsons are deeply observant. For instance, none of the clan drink alcohol. They don't use bad language. And as Agrizi's testimony confirmed, in their business dealings, morning prayers come with the territory. So this is a family of super hypocrites. And what about Gavin Watson, the elder brother, who's been portrayed as the corrupter-in-chief and supposedly a man who built an empire through bribery and corruption? The background specifically, and, and I, I'll take it back to, to the 70s, um, with regard to activism, Chiki got more involved in, in sport, so did I, but Chiki, of course, was more visible in that he was asked by Ian Kirkpatrick to remain in white rugby and he'd be a springbuck and he refused. Um, I was the vice captain of the Eastern Province rugby side, the white side, so we had a better profile there, but Chiki remained very much, very active in the sports side. Gavin was involved in business and what we decided is that Gavin should be more visible in putting together an, a, a program to try and get business people to, to understand what was happening in the struggle. In fact, he formed a group called Concerned Citizens at the time in, in Port Elizabeth with a fellow by the name of Brian Bird, who was, who, was a, who, was, who, was, who was a reverend. And they tried to get the business community involved, which, which they did, to try and get the, the message across that the ANC were not as bad as it was purported. We could never say the word the ANC we'd have to say the, the liberation struggle. Because remember, Alec, at that stage there was a law that said if you mention the ANC in a positive light, you could be charged for uh, what was termed 
aiding and abetting the aims and objectives of a banned organisation. That was seven years jail. Uh, again, to go a little bit forward, now you've, you've come from this background of the struggle, you come from uh, a Christian background as well, and your brother Gavin is now portrayed as primeval. What went on? I mean, how did, how did he get into this situation? Well, well, Alec, on that, I mean, this is pretty simple. Let's look at the facts of, and he's accused, one of the issues is that he's accused for a 500,000 rand donation that he gave to the president of the ANC. We, since the mid-70s, as a family, have supported the liberation struggle. We have supported initiatives of the ANC since the mid-70s. It has never changed, and it won't change now. But it is now perceived that the 500,000 that is given to a presidential campaign is something that is tainted with evil. No, but that's because of the whole Bosasa story. That's got nothing really to do with the... Well, of course it's got everything to do with the yeah. presidential campaign. But Bosasa, when you mention Bosasa, the name to people in the street in South Africa, they think of a company that's corrupt, that's bought inflated, uh, bought politicians to get inflated contracts so that the Watsons could get rich. How rich is Gavin? Well, the, the interesting part is that Gavin is the CEO of Bosasa. He has a house in Port Elizabeth that was bought sometime around maybe the mid-90s or the early 90s. He has a townhouse he lives in in Johannesburg. He drives an, 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 a car that's maybe a uh, maybe a four five hundred thousand rand car. The fellow that's making these accusations at the Zonda Commission, by his own admission, has four or five Ferraris. He has a Maserati. He has, by his own admission, in emails. 880 million in Italy. He has a house in on the KZN coast. He has a house in Johannesburg. He has a house in Italy, and he has an olive grove in Italy. Now, what does that tell you about the accusation made against Busasa and Gavin by the person that is Angelo Gritzi? Let me just understand this. Your brother Gavin lives in a modest house, drives a relatively modest car, uh, but he was the CEO of the company. But the chap who was the chief operating officer who's made all these allegations sounds to me like he's fabulously wealthy. Now, how come the boss of the company uh, is, is the one who isn't as rich as the chief operating officer? Uh, Alec, that's, that's exactly the point, and no one's asking the question of how is that possible? If Gavin's this corrupt individual, where is the money then? The questions that have to be ans answered are those. And in that, it is said Versace is a corrupt company. We are all aware that we have become a litigious society in South Africa. We are much like the Americans today with regard to litigation. If Versace or Gavin got a contract, he would have a position in the courts from his opposition. Gavin has never had, or Bissasa never had, a tender overturned. That should tell you something. 
I know you weren't intimately involved with Bursasa, but it is your brother, and I'm sure you as a family have been talking about this. What kind of profit margins were being generated on these contracts? Uh, Alec, I mean, I w- I've never been involved in, in Bursasa. We don't talk business. We have completely different businesses. Uh, but the profit margins, I know, were fairly thin. I mean, they'd have to know to the extent of what a loaf of bread costs. So the, the margins in any business, often if you can do 10% in a business today, it's a, good, it's, it's a fair profit margin. I think theirs was even less than that with regard to profit margin. But what about the, all the gifts that were given to politicians that uh, Agrizi has, has said? For instance, how he would package up cash and give the cash to Dudumieni or uh, people at the NPA, etc. Well, Alec... That's all conjecture and lies. No one, has, no one has come forward to prove anything. And this is the problem with the Gritzi. He's a pathological liar and a sociopath. The, these allegations that he makes, um, we would love to see this when he's in court and he can go through a cross-examination and the truth will come out. This is a tissue of lies. I can tell you how he has, he has woven the whole Watson family into this fabric. And I have no involvement in Basasa. Ronnie has no involvement in, in Basasa. But he throws in everything that we're involved in that has nothing to do with Basasa. And I must say, this is purely an attack on us as a family. And it's an attack on the ANC also. Let's see this thing correctly. He's brought into the Zonda Commission just before the election under the guise that he's on, deathbed, on his deathbed. And he needs to get the story in quickly. He then comes to the Commission and throws a whole bunch of names in there. And when asked on with some people, but why would their gifts been given? What did they get in return? He says, influence. But on the other hand, he says, Pussar's got contracts because of the money. But there is asked about it, he can't prove any of the stuff. It is an attack on the ANC, and tragically, it's an attack on black people in general. It is made out that everybody that is black is a criminal. That's what it comes about. And the people that he brought in with him to the Zona Commission, just have a look who they were. So, this is... and. It then plays itself out in the recording where he's, the, he's disparaging about black people. So this is a racist attack. It's an attack against ANC. It's an attack against the Watson family. Added to that, if you look at who was populating his environment, Glynis Breitenbach is on, on video with him and so is Werner Horn of the DA. In his study... In his study, chatting, and there's a monkey running around on the desk and jumping around Glynis Breitenbach. That tells you she's a visitor at that place, that den of iniquity, often. You say den of iniquity. Where, where is this place? Where, is, where does the Gritzi live? Gritzi lives in four ways. Also, in, in, a, in, a significant, in a big house, small house? A very, very big house. A very, uh, well, I mean, I happened to, to go in there once and it's in, 
there's wealth there like you cannot believe. So where does this wealth come from? If your brother, uh, or who owns the company? Who owns Bosasa? Well, well it's, it'll be Gavin and, 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 and other shareholders, and I'm, I'm, not part of, I'm, I'm, I'm not a part of that at all. But clearly, Agritzi would have, must have siphoned money out of the company because apparently when he was gravely ill, as they say, they found there was there were a lot of questions that had to be answered when they started going through certain books of the company. They became very concerned about what had happened while Agritzi was controlling the company. Where did all that money come from? Because if you've got five Ferraris, an olive farm in Italy, etc., etc., you've had to have acquired that, that cash somewhere. Well, look, um, I don't know. Have you not, uh, well, no, you, not you, because you're yeah. not involved, but have Basasa not done audits no, and, and try and find uh, out? Basasa have been looking, and there's definitely, there has been, there has been theft at Basasa by Gritzi, and I mean, this is, this has been going on for many years, so I'm sure, I mean, I'm, I'm not privy to that. I'm just saying, I know they're going through a process of trying to uncover what happened while Gritzi was there. How did he get away with so much for so long? Was your, your brother neglectful, naive? Uh, I would say Gavin was pretty naive. Um, Gritzi had a way of creating a moat around Gavin and made himself so-called indispensable that Gavin actually believed that Gritzi was a lot better than he actually was. And he did this over many years, but a perfect example is that he goes to the Zonda Commission and is treated like a lovable rogue. He had the whole country mesmerized in the lies and the tissue of lies that he, he spread at the Zondo Commission. So, was Gavin fooled? Absolutely was. So it's a, a little bit like Marcus Joester fooling all of his shareholders at Steinhoff. Well, th yeah, that's, that's a perfect example. And remember, Marcus Joester had some serious shareholders. Not like with Gavin, he doesn't have that the, the shareholders that Marcus Eustace got and Marcus Eustace took the PIC for I think 100 million or, or 100 billion or whatever it was and he had some very powerful shareholders and they were fooled so yeah I mean someone like Gritzi can fool somebody some of the time but Sasa itself from what you are the, the, the picture that you're painting was a, was a good company that competed for tenders, didn't overpay for the tenders, uh, didn't pay for influence, but everything that, that Agrisi has, has told us is the opposite. How does one get to the truth of this? Well, let's just look at uh, Agrisi's evidence, and I haven't seen much of it, but I do know that when he went to the commission on the first occasion, he said it is all smoke and mirrors, that Busasa delivered nothing. Bloom uh, from Terlocorta's uh, group, or, or, uh, Cope, then comes on to the Zona Commission and says the same. Says all there was was a desk in an office and nothing was happening. Bussosa did nothing. The prisoners fed themselves. When Gritzi comes back the second time, he says his wife will be very angry with him if he doesn't tell the truth. Bussosa actually delivered a fantastic service. At that stage, Alec, the Zonda Commission should have said, you're out of here. You're a pathological and sociopath. You're a pathological and a sociopath. Get out of here. But his lies are being 
are being perpetrated all the time. And and even just from that, how do you on one uh, sitting in the commission say this is all smoke and mirrors, Basasa? You come back a month later and say they actually delivered at the service. Surely, if he's lied so much, one can show evidence to the commission that this isn't true, that what he's been saying isn't true. Have you done that? Uh, we will go to commission as and when required, but the issue at the moment is that the commission doesn't allow cross-examination of the liar, be it whoever. They don't allow cross-examination. And if you're going to cross-examine somebody that's been giving evidence, so-called, I call it so-called evidence, I, but it's actually a tissue of lies, you have to have as much time as he was there, sitting and lying. But they don't give you that. I heard the, the one advert was given half an hour to cross-question somebody. That's ridiculous. You can't get to the truth in half an hour when this guy's been sitting and and, and lying profusely for the last, how many, what, how many days was he there? I mean, days and weeks. Where does it all go to from here? Because if he is lying, you can't be telling the truth and he can't be telling the truth. Somebody's lying in between. If he is lying, surely he has to be held to account. Absolutely. And the truth will out. There is no doubt. And it will come out that this, the, as I call it, um, there was a collusion of interests here. Agritzi had his, his idea of taking over the company. That was the idea. But then you weave that into the fabric of our society and you have the DA sitting in his house. And you just check back and you see where all of this comes. And you start, and you start putting the dots together. So it was an agenda against the ANC and still is it was an agenda against us because we were activists anti-apartheid activists um, I don't mind being attacked in the New South Africa because I've, I realize that that is that comes with the territory where will it go? They, I don't believe they'll destroy the ANC they'll continue working at, at that process you can see what's happening Alec this is, they keep the Basasa thing alive. Go and have a look at Steinhoff. Not billions, hundreds of billion. Hundreds of billion. And it's not much in the media. Look at all the other issues that are being brought up. The PIC and the whole, all the other things. But the Basasa issue is absolutely top story in all the mainline media. What does that tell you? is that the struggle for liberation has not stopped. It continues to this day. Because if there was what we would term the liberation we anticipated post-1994, surely the other issues would take precedence. When there's a hundred billion the PIC lost because of Marcus Eusta, and the hundreds of billion lost by other companies, surely that should be fairly high up on the agenda. When you look at other billions that have been lost in all the other issues, surely that should be on the agenda. But the agenda is Basasa, a small company on the East Rand. They've got nine, nine contracts 
over a period of time from government with a very small markup and against competition, stiff competition and have never lost a contract on review with the courts. And our courts, we would like to believe, are honest and fair and just. How are you guys taking this as a family? How, how is your brother? Well, it, I, I think from my brother's point of view, something that he built up over many years has been destroyed. The lives of four and a half thousand people directly and indirectly their families, and the family constitutes in the region of five people, and the knock-on effect. So you're talking about tens of thousands of people's lives have, have been affected. So it's affected him because he feels extremely bad that a company that he built with other people that has now come under this attack has actually destroyed the lives of many, many people. So he's, he doesn't like it, he's upset about it, and he feels extremely sorry for the people whose lives have been affected. Has he volunteered to go to the Commission, though, to set it right, as it were? How can you set something right? Well, if, if a grease is lying... No, no, that will be decided at the courts. As I said to you, that will be decided in the courts, because you cannot, you cannot be going to the Commission when you're allowed to cross-question for half an hour. That's ridiculous. You've got to allow Gritsy to be cross-questioned at length. Has Gavin been arrested? Has he been uh, uh, questioned or, or arraigned by the police services? No. no. no why been why would that be? Well, my brother's innocent. What I'm hearing from you, he makes these accusations. You say they are, they are wrong. Surely, though, he worked with your brother for 18 years. He has five Ferraris, house over, all over the world. Why didn't your brother see this? Well, um, I don't think he knew about the five Ferraris and houses around the world. This came out of late. And apparently, when the questions were asked some time ago by some of the directors that some things didn't make sense, it was said that... Uh, it was money made by his wife, who's a fantastic businesswoman. Well, we haven't found that to be so. So, uh, uh, and of course, this all comes out now. It's like asking about Marcus Wester. Surely somebody should have known. Because remember, Marcus Wester's company is a listed company, listed, and a listed company has so many checks and balances, and no one knew. So, Gavin is an unlisted company. And they just didn't know, but and they do know now. And the other directors of Busasa? Well, uh, they have. The, um, I mean, their lives have been destroyed. And uh, this was one of Agritzi's plans: is to destroy people's lives. Their lives have been destroyed. Um, this is a company that could have continued, but if you've closed the company's bank account, you've finished the company. So. I'm not being conspiratorial, but it just seems a little stranger than fiction that bank accounts of people are closed when they haven't been convicted of anything. And I include the bank accounts of, of the directors and so forth of Basasa. So there you have it. The other side of a tale that has absorbed South Africa's chattering classes for months for me, after listening to Valence Watson, 
checking documentation and the timelines, and just using a bit of common sense. Much that was confusing now starts to make sense to me. What's pretty certain, though, is the narrative of a self-confessed criminal who decided to go public and split on his evil boss two years after an apparent Damascene conversion is a lot harder to swallow. This has been The Rational Perspective. Until the next time, cheerio.